Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, hey, property magicians. How are you? Welcome to episode 110 of the Property Magicians Podcast. So today I'm flying solo. Usually I have my incredible co-host, Dr. Miranda Mulatto, with me on this show, but but she had some work to do and um, she's not able to make it today, right? So it's just me. So if you've just joined, my name is Vangile Makwakwa. I am um, the founder of Wealthy Money, the co-founder of Wealthy Ones Property Stockfell and this podcast. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income and live their best lives. And um, today on the show, we have Eddie. He was introduced to us by Kanya. Uh, Kanya is one of our former podcast guests. He was on this podcast on episode 26. So definitely go check out his podcast as well. So wow, where to start? This is such an interesting podcast, right? A podcast episode. So Eddie invests with his wife, Emily, and they do work. uh, They um, started investing in property during the lockdown, right? So when lockdown started in 2020, they started investing in property, but Eddie has a background in construction, right? And when they started investing in property, they started, they got two multi-lets at the same time. And they started with a property mentor from the jump. And then in 2021, they got another multi-let. So they finalized their Multilet was their multilets were fully occupied. The first two multilets that they got were fully occupied by March 2021. And then a few months later, they got a third multilet. So in this podcast, it's just such a beautiful podcast episode, right? We talk about his journey around that. We talk a lot about the emotional uh, stuff that he had to do to get ready, working with the mentor, what were some of the perks of that and what he was looking for in a property. This is actually an like a super great episode because we also talk a lot about mindset and emotional stuff. So it's a mix. It's a mix of everything around this property investing journey, right? So before I even take us on to Eddie and this podcast episode, I just want to take a moment to say we are sponsored by the Wealthy Ones Property Stock File. Uh, the aim of the stock file is to have 250 million rand in assets, which is about 17, just over 17 million US dollars in cash, uh, in income generating assets. In the next, um, oops, sorry, sorry about that. I just muted myself. Um, the aim of the, I muted myself because there's just flights and planes going all over the place because it's state of the nation address and all that. Oh, something is happening. The whole of Cape Town is blocked. So it's very, very interesting. But, um, we are sponsored by the Wealthy Ones Property Stock File. We have uh, a goal to have 
250 million rand in income generating assets in the next five years by the end of 2024. So we've already raised um, over almost 2 million rand right now since we launched the stock file in August 2021. So at the end of August 2021 to now, January, February 2022. So we've also paid money into two deals and we are working on investing in the third deal. You can join us by going on Stockseller if you are based in Swaziland, South Africa, Namibia and um, Lesotho. Go on Stockfella and sign up and join us. If you're not based in any of these countries, it's okay. You can also you can still join the Stockfell. It's open to everyone internationally. You can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash Stockfell. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash Stockfell. Stockfell is spelled S-T-O-K-B-E-L. And you can learn about how to join us in the Stockfell if you are based outside of these four countries. So without further ado, let's get to hear Eddie's real estate journey, which is so awesome. Hi, Eddie. Welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Hi, Vangile. It's also great to be here. Yeah. So today I'm flying solo without my (laughs) co-host and it's kind of weird. (laughs) Um, yeah, so Eddie, Eddie, tell us who you are. What do you do? So tell us who you are at a soul level and then tell us what you do for a living. Okay, so I'm Eddie Mugobodi. I am married to my partner and wife, um, Emily Mugobodi. And I do, I have a solar business on a day-to-day basis which supplies and installs solar panels and battery systems for businesses and homes. Emily is in banking. She works for a multinational bank. And then obviously we also engage ourselves in the art potentially of property investing. And that's what we do. Ah, so you're the owner of a solar energy company. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so yeah. Myself and Emily, we've got the solar company, and I manage it day to day. Yes. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So tell me, how did you then find yourself in property? When you got your first house, were you thinking property? Tell us about your first house that you bought. What was your thinking there? Yes. So the funny thing is, I let me give a bit of a story to this. So I always thought I'd be a medical doctor um, in high school. Um, I was okay with biology. I got an A for that. Um, A friend and I always thought we'd go to med school together and whatever. But then one day I just picked up a pamphlet at the Vids Open Day and it spoke about construction management. And I fell in love with the idea of construction for some odd good reason. And that's what led me to sort of get my thinking towards the built environment. So I enrolled for construction management, or I applied for construction management and got in and started studying this degree and fell in love with buildings and Um, What was happening in South Africa at the time, um, just before 2010, 
Sandton was exploding, things were being cleaned up in the CBD, and fell in love, I think, at, that's probably the first bit of exposure I personally had with um, property, just falling in love with the built environment. And then I later then worked at a power station, which was unrelated to what I had studied, and came back into Joburg later, worked for a contractor. That didn't go too well. Worked in the water space and ended up starting my own construction business. And again, that was probably the next bit of exposure that had me again falling in love with property or buildings and all of that. And when we started dating, myself and Emily, um, one of the big tickers for me was when she mentioned that she wants to end up in property one day. So I thought, okay, I might end up marrying this woman because she seems to have an idea that she wants to end up in property. So property hasn't been a new find for me per se, like, oh, wow, there's property. I think it's just been that idea that sort of pops up randomly throughout different life experiences that, hey, maybe I'd like to do property one day. And then that idea or that dream fades away for some time. So um, leading up to the lockdown or through the lockdown, we got a mentor um, and we finally decided, look, let's actually get into property now. So we got a mentor. So our first actual house we bought was for investing. We hadn't bought a house to live in at any stage prior to that. May no, this I, I, um, 2020 so uh, during yes. lockdown in 2020 you got a mentor yes that's correct okay and then what happened well so for starters um, we're in the middle of a lockdown estate agents are now allowed to work so now we're viewing properties interest rates are low so we decide okay great let's Obviously, our strategy was that we wanted to do multi-lets, so we got into the multi-let strategy and looked for uh, properties that could become converted into multi-lets. And we thought, look, man, let's just get two at the same time. We we both qualify and the affordability is right. Instead of starting off with one, let's just start off with two. So our first jump into property, we started working on two multi-let projects simultaneously um wow that is so fascinating tell us more before you tell us about that tell us about just um the process of finding the multilates how did you guys find those multilates so i know you had a coach but what was that process like because you guys were new this is your first property was there a lot of emotional angst about it Walk us through some of that. Okay, so we were quite excited initially because um, we were finally getting into what we've always spoken about. Um, and luckily, we had a coach who could help us structure our efforts into setting up viewings, asking the right questions with estate agents, um, understanding how to read your Lightstone reports, on different properties or areas and suburbs. So we set up a lot of viewings. Um, I think we viewed about 28 places. And 
in a quite a quick space of time. And then we sent out a few offers. About 10 or 11 offers were sent out. Wow. And yeah, so there were a lot of potential uh, good deals um, that we picked up in those viewings, which were obviously targeted and proper, so we were not too random. And yeah, so then we, what was also important was to understand what's on an OTP and how an OTP should be, um, because obviously there might be clauses in there that could um, tie you back later or something. Um, so yeah, so having a mentor helped with that. We were very excited that, oh yes, we're finally getting into property. And yes, COVID will end soon, so we'll get out of this with a bang, you know. And mm -hmm. yeah, so <laughs> we 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 set out the OTPs, got some viewings. I mean, got some, got two offers accepted, and those were both approved. Um, one hundred percent finance. And then we were like, okay, great. So now that we've been approved for both by the banks, what's next? And then now. Now the real work began um, where you now had to find finances to pay for the fees, et cetera, and do the conversions and all the other paperwork. That's okay, needed. hold up, Eddie. I'm going to just backtrack sure. you. Backtrack <laughs> me all It's fine. <laughs> so let's backtrack you. Tell me what you were looking for when you were looking at your first property. So these were your first properties. What was your biggest concern? Was it your budget? Was it cash flow? What were the things that you were taking into consideration as a first-time investor at the time? So we were taking into consideration greatly cash flow, um, mm. then budget. Okay. Um, because obviously my wife and I, we both had incomes. So it's obviously a little bit easier to get the affordability when there's two professional incomes. Um, so we wanted we wanted to enter into deals where the cash flow made sense um, so that we could also respect the property or look after the deal um, because we didn't want it to just be like a little thing on the side where you, you're just making a little bit just to go out with your friends for a weekend or, you yeah. know, like that type of money which you don't really want to. We wanted to enter into the market or get into property knowing that we can produce cash flow, which can then have a real impact on our lives. So mm. cash flow or the ability to cash flow is very important for us. Oh, wow. That is amazing. So you were looking. So what were you looking at in the what? Give us a ballpark figure, if you don't mind. Sorry, we get very specific on this podcast. You can say, no, I don't want to talk about it at any point. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. So anything between a net positive cash flow of 9000 to 13000 per mm, property, that's, that's what we were looking for. Um, because we understood that if you can create an additional twenty to 25000 rand, on the side of your income, you can start to put that either towards your next properties or mm. if you need to boost your or plug some holes within your budget, you can do that. Um, mm. Unfortunately, not a lot of people actually even earn 20-odd thousand rand or more in South Africa um, as it stands. Mm. It might seem like there's a lot, but 
as an absolute number of the population. It's not a lot of people. So to create those type of numbers was our absolute goal to say, um, let's just get deals that create an income that would feel like you've got another real job. So that if something goes wrong with either other income sources, you can actually rely on that um, property. Mm. Yes, and that was the most important part for us getting started. Hmm, super, 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 super powerful, right? Okay, so I like, I like that reasoning that you guys had. So that was what you wanted per property, right? So that if you have two properties, your minimum net cash flow is 18,000 rand. And above, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so minimum. So, okay, so wow, super impressed. Um, my next question is to ask, you noted, uh, you mentioned that after everything, uh, once you got approval at the 100% financing, you then had to find money to uh, pay for the fees. Tell us about that journey. What was that? <laughs> You expected the fees, though, because you had a coach, right? So you yes, knew we they did. Were we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> I think human beings are funny. Um, if you go to a doctor and the doctor tells you, um, change your diet or you'll die, uh, let's say, for example, you're eating yeah. too much sugar and carbs, you're going to die in three months. You might not stop eating the sugar and carbs until months two and a half, and then you realize, I might just die. How do I change my diet? So <laughs> we've got a natural procrastination thing in our brains. I don't know what it's called. So, you yes, know what it is? What I remember one of my coaches saying to me that we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year in the short term, and we underestimate what we can do in five years. So we yes. have this, like, work our brains are engineered to look at short-term things that somehow a solution will appear, you know? Yes. So someone tells you, ah, oh, you've got three months to raise the transfer fees. Most people will not panic until <laughs> like the week before. And you see it all the time with rent. People know that rent is due at the end of the month, but yes. like everyone starts to panic like around about the 23rd, like rent is not due every single month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. So we had a few, a bit of savings. So we we had to cash that out. Um, and we're like, okay, great. So we're going to cash out our savings. And we begged them for discounts. We're like, please give us a discount on the fees. And, you know, you, you <laughs> we found that if you asked enough, you'd get the discount, you know, if it's 5% or 10%. Oh, my God. You just have to ask that lawyer for the discount. So we send a mail, uh, phone and follow up and be like, have you seen our email about the discount? Um, <laughs> what is the conveyance saying? Can we get a discount? Um, you know, it's tough right now. It's COVID. Business is tough, which is not um, a lie. It's true. Um, yeah. Can we get that discount? So, understandably so, because we had four sets of four different lawyers to pay because there were two different properties happening at the same time. So mm -hmm. we had to ask for discounts. So mm -hmm. the first was obviously cashing out all savings just to. 
cashing out savings, not all, sorry, to, to, to pay for those fees. Um, and in the middle of a pandemic, you know, it starts to hit home because you think that, okay, cool, the virus should disappear next month, right? <laughs> and the economy will get better. Um, so let's. Is that what you guys are thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, so you think, okay, if we pull out savings and pay the fees, um, hopefully then we'll be okay because COVID will end or the virus will end and things will get back to normal and we'll get our money back from the fees quite quickly. But then the other part of you says, but what if the virus doesn't end and the lockdown lasts another five years? What happens? Um, and what if you don't get tenants? So you've got a bit of a battle of the mind when you start pushing money out into a project in an uncertain environment because no one would have known um, or predicted what would happen the following month or the following month, especially in 2020. So it was a bit exciting and a bit doubtful, but we had to trust the fact that we've started a process and come rain or shine, you actually have to pay those fees. So <laughs> we paid the fees. <laughs> wow. That is intense, hey? That is, um, that is a, I think it's kind of like a rude awakening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then tell us uh, about the, so now you've got the properties. You guys are first time home buyers during COVID, which I think many people want to know what that's like. Your first time home buyers, your first time property investors. Did you have tenants in the properties already? Did you have to renovate? What was that like? So we had to renovate, and that also then um, means you'd have to put more money in. And so we renovated. Luckily, I come from a construction background, so I already had an understanding of what needed to be done. And in fact, both Emily and I knew what we needed to do, but we had already access to the guys or the teams that were going to work. Um, so we renovated, um, we did all that was needed to be done, you know, subdivisions and all of that, um, you know, tidied up the place and then started advertising. Mm, and how soon did you get tenants? It been COVID and all. Um, we got tenants a month after completion. So we had a lot of interest. Um, tenants would come and view. And I think by February, we were already at about 50, 60% occupied. And then the following month, uh, being March, we were fully occupied. So This is March um, 2021, right? Yes, wow. that's correct, yeah. Wow. Wow, that is incredible. And so after that, what did you guys do? Did you get uh, the next, did you decide on the next property? What was your strategy after this? Once you had like all these tenants and you're like, okay, we fall. So what now? Yes. So for us, we took a breather. Um, I shifted my focus towards solar energy full time and abandoned the construction industry. <laughs> uh, we just found there was a lot more opportunity there. So we had been doing solar in 2020, but not as busy as 2021. Um, mm -hmm. So I spent 
more time doing solar and we we just wanted to consolidate everything and take a breather for the year and just get into it and understand how things work um you know so mm. we spent the rest of the year uh on those two properties and then we had lunch with our mentor late 2021 and for some odd reason the light switch went on and we were like why aren't we looking for another property <laughs> and like, we we actually could right could we? And, we, and then we found another deal within a week and a half and that was in november no way <laughs> yes no yes way yes so then um that um, was then the start of our third multi-let yes Oh, that is awesome. But I mean, this is such an interesting thing because I think the idea is that like most people, I always say to people that we all have a different rhythm of working and getting things done. So once you know your rhythm, it makes a big, big difference, you know? So I think that um, some people, you do, there's a lot to be said about taking downtime. You know, you need it, you make this, huge leap into a new industry and now you just needed to sit with it and integrate it into your nervous system so I think that on a soul level you needed to do that but then when you're ready you found the deal in one and a half weeks so tell us about that deal tell us about the process did you guys have the same kind of goal as before that minimum nine thousand rand and it must be a multi-lit Correct. Same process. Um, uh, this was in a different area, closer to the first property, and same process. Did a few viewings. Um, the estate agent was a bit wary. Uh, different estate agent is like, um, I need a pre-approval, and I kept saying, Don't worry, we'll we'll qualify. Just show me the place and let's get going. And it's like, yeah. No, I need a pre-approval because the previous guy only got 80% and couldn't raise the 20%. Mm. So it's become difficult. And I said, no, look, show us the place and we'll be fine. Um, so the guy finally showed me the place. We gave him the offer and they accepted. And we got approval from the bank within about three or four days, um, which was quite wow. quick, I reckon. And then, um, yeah, so then... That led into December. So there was a bit of a slump in December last year because obviously um, some conveyances or lawyers might close early or stuff like that. Things are just a bit slower. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so then obviously January and yeah, so we've taken uh, occupation now and there's tenants in that property. So we're in the middle of Feb. Yeah, yeah so okay. it's also just under 100%. All backtracking, Eddie. <laughs> Okay, backtrack. Let's go back. So tell us about the second property. What's the that second property, property like? Um, yeah. The second in 2020 or the third? Oh, the third. Sorry. So uh, tell us about the third property in 2021. So you took a breather. Tell us what that one is like. Um, you said it's in the same neighborhood as the other two properties. No, no. It's further away from the the first property, so it's in Boxburg. Okay. Um, okay. So, yes, so Boxburg, similar, closer to Germiston, which is where the first property. That's yeah, the first property is. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, very 
busy streets, great potential for a multi-let as well. Um, it was quite an obvious one. When we walked in, I was like, this is a great multi-let. And um, yeah, so it was a very, it wasn't a hard deal to see if that makes sense. It was, it's almost as if it was waiting there for us to come and just uh, take it, if that's the right word. Oh, I like that. So how did you guys find it? Um, through an estate agent on Property24. Um, oh, wow. Someone had mentioned that, look, there's a few multi-lets in Boxburg as well. Um, so we looked online, found the guy, did a bit of lightstone reporting on the suburbs. And we're like, okay. And yeah, and that was it. It wasn't, we didn't have to view as much as the first time. And it was just ready waiting there for us. <laughs> wow, that is interesting. Um, and, and then when you guys, uh, so when you saw it, you had to go get pre-approval, right? Tell us about, did you have any, with all these properties, so the reason why I'm bringing up pre-approval and others, we love asking this question on this podcast because we think it's very important for people to see the emotional side of stuff as well, right? So mm -hmm. did you feel, what were you feeling emotionally as you've been go every time you have to go through the process with the property, with purchasing the properties? Um, so we didn't do the pre-approval just to correct you there because I said to the guy we would qualify. Um, but emotionally, obviously, because there's a lot of admin and back and forth communication, it could be, or it was a little bit draining. But if you make peace with the fact that admin is part of this business, mm. you, you are a lot more relaxed, you know, because... Maybe the bond originator, not the bond, yeah, the bond originator might say, I need that document and this payslip or that or this proof of address. Mm -hmm. You know, normally a person would be like, but why do I have to do this again? Or surely in that <laughs> other email, I've sent it before, let's check for that attachment. But if you make a piece of that, the admin is actually a process in the business cycle. Mm. And you don't get too annoyed. So, yeah, you're not emotional. It's almost um, it's part of the process. Um, so that was the case um, for us. So, and also we entered the third multi-let deal with a lot more confidence because yeah. when we took a breather, we took the time to understand how are these tenants? How what do they look for? Um, you know, are multi-lets worth it? You know, we took our time to to mm -hmm. be in that space um, comfortably and um, immerse ourselves in the mindset of a tenant that's looking for a multi-let to stay in. Um, so that also helped us a lot because we then understood emotionally what sort of environment we want to create for mm. tenants. And what sort of property, when you view, can give you that environment or neighborhood or property. So um, I do believe that breather was very beneficial for us. Um, it definitely helped ground us as property investors. 
And so when we entered the third deal, there was a different sort of confidence because, oh, we're very experienced all of a sudden because we've just got these two little <laughs> properties on the side there. But it, it definitely, we entered that with a different air. Oh, I love that. I love that you speak about how that breather gave you more confidence and you got time to basically think, right? Which I think is so, so powerful. We don't, we don't always understand like how powerful the downtime is, right? So that's, that's actually awesome. So tell us about who you talk a lot about having the relationship with um, the construction companies. Who else is in your network? So we know you've got a coach. We know you've got the construction companies. Who else is in your network that you've been relying on to help you with the properties? And also, do you have a property management company or do you manage the properties yourself? So at the moment, I manage the properties. Um, we found that it's more beneficial for now to be a little mm -hmm. bit more hands-on. And then okay. obviously, as time goes on and we get larger, maybe set up a property management company for ourselves where we might build a team within that. Um, we don't have a big enough portfolio to hand it over uh, to an external third party, in my view. And then the bond originator was very helpful um, because they obviously... Can I, can I cut in there? I have some questions about the property management. Uh, yes. With the property management company, uh, with managing the property yourself, sorry, I use a property management company, so that was just my Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> managing the company, uh, managing the properties yourself, How is, what has that been like? How many tenants do you have to deal with? Do you have a, uh, what was it like starting off? Have you gotten better at it? What are some challenges that you've had? You know, the big, I ask this because the biggest thing with most people when it comes to property and myself, I've experienced this, by the way, which is probably why I'm anti-Jovig and properties now. It's like tenants that don't pay. So what, what's that like for you? What's so for the management been like? Yes, so I find the most important thing is to start with some level of a relationship. So <laughs> tenant moves in and they tell you all these wonderful things about how they'll never be late on rent and all of that. <laughs> and you're like, yes, um, wonderful, let's do this. And then um, three or four months down the line, someone's passed away and now they don't have money for the funeral, so can they please pay you on the 5th? So... I meet them where they are. I ask the questions on the phone. And you can pick up if someone's being genuine or not, you know. Mm. Um, you can pick up if someone's just trying to lie to you, you know. And you can actually ask someone to leave without having to go through a whole eviction process. Um, yeah. We had to ask someone to leave in one of the multi-lets. Um, and there was no drama. He packed up and left um, yeah. because, you know, if someone gives you some, sees that you respect yourself and they tend to also respect you. Um, but not a lot of people have that skill of being able to set up a relationship quite quickly 
with people they've just met. Um, so that's my strength, which I know it is, and I obviously use that to my advantage. Um, the other thing with managing, we set up WhatsApp groups where if there's anything wrong or any quick maintenance issues, guys can talk about that on the WhatsApp group as well. Oh, wow. So some people want to vent maybe and be like, oh, uh, this and this happened and whatever. And then we obviously see the messages and we also enter into the conversation if it needs our attention. And we also set up a caretaker on the property who mm-hmm. we do like. It's actually not someone we choose. Like it's actually a tenant, sorry, who we feel tends to be a little bit more responsible. So we'll ask that specific tenant, would you like to be the caretaker? And your job is just to call me if anything's wrong. Um, just keep an eye out for any misorder or misuse of any equipment or appliances or whatever. And we'll incentivize you with a, uh, a discount on your rent, maybe, or a discount on your rent every few months. Mm. So the tenants know that there's now a caretaker who's one of them and one of us and they know that we are also accessible so there's a bit of a structure now happening it's not haphazard you know um, yeah. so there has there then becomes a bit of respect that happens in the situation so then we just manage people because i do believe property is not a brick and mortar business it's a people business you're giving people a place to stay and feel safe. So you have to manage people. And yeah. some people are easier to manage than others. And if you have the skill to manage people, then you won't struggle with um, managing property or people. So, yes, you'll get in, in <laughs> weird calls at certain times of the day and Someone calls you and says, oh, um, I had an argument with this other tenant about this and because he used foul language and whatever in front of my wife and I'm not happy about this. And now you have to bring the EQ level down to meet the guy where he is and say, okay, I'll call the other guy and have a conversation with him. Is that all you need me to do? Yes, that's all I need you to do. Okay, no problem. And then you just call the other guy and say, please don't use foul language. The guy found it offensive and his wife was not happy. I request that you probably just go and apologize. Um, We're all adults. And the guy goes and apologizes and everyone's friends again. So you sort of, <laughs> you have to sort of move your EQ up and down to the, yeah. the, the level of problem that a person has. Um, it's... That's just the most important part, I believe, is just understanding that because these are your tenants and these are within a certain income level, their problems might be difficult to the other mm. problems that you might face on a daily basis. Mm. So you have to understand the type of problem that tenant presents you with. Um, yeah, that's that. Yes. Okay, that's such an interesting thing. I think 
what I'm loving about this is exactly what you say, what you said about creating a WhatsApp group. It makes it, I can see how that makes it easier. When I was living in Sri Lanka, we had that. We, our, the landlord uh, was created a WhatsApp group. And when I left, I left the WhatsApp group, which I kind of missed because that's where I would get like updates during COVID as to when we could go out, when we couldn't, when our day for shopping was, you know. But yeah, so it's it's a it's a great um, space, and it's actually a great tip for people listening in. Okay, wow. So then um, I did <laughs> kind of chip in around property management. Um, I also wanted to find out more about who else is in your tribe on a day-to-day basis. Who do you talk to? Who have you found very valuable to have on your team as you're busy on this property investing journey? The caretakers, um, we chat on WhatsApp often. Sorry, one last thing. <laughs> one more thing. The caretakers, I'm sure people are wondering this as well. It's like, do you pay them? Is there an incentive for someone to be a caretaker? Yes, there's an incentive. So not a very big incentive, um, just like a discount on the rent. Okay. Or every third or fourth month, a huge discount on your rent. Oh, so, nice. Yes. So what we found is people want to be recognized. All right. Um, mm. You know, just that feeling of I'm actually in charge of <laughs> you guys. You guys, uh, if anything's wrong, you talk to me as the point of call. Um, people like that, you know. Well, not everybody, but most people like that title. It's like a prefect, you know, in high school and primary school. When you were chosen to be a prefect, like, you know, you're the first class citizen of the group. So wow. it's not difficult for someone to say, I don't mind being a caretaker. Um, and it's not a massive responsibility because they're just there to add structure to your business um, mm. on the ground. And because I do believe people need to govern themselves. So I sometimes see on the WhatsApps them having a conversation and I'll just watch and not comment or say anything um, because they can sort it out themselves. And yeah, so the incentive is just either a discount on the rent or every few months a huge discount, depending on what we agree on uh, with the caretaker. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's powerful. So I've kind of, I kind of interrupted you again as you were explaining who is in your network. So it's just because I'm thinking, okay, these are, these, this is so interesting. Like people, someone who has a multi lit may want to self manage and they may want to use some of this advice. Definitely. I think, yeah, definitely, definitely. And then people I chat to, yeah, so chat a lot to the caretakers, um, electricians that I work with in my solar business also help with the maintenance here and there. If there's an electrical issue or the keys is not working or something like that, they can pop in quite quickly. And that's about that, yeah. So, But we always have an idea of what's really happening at any given point in time. That is that is really great. So 
Can my final question is, can you talk about, you've said that you were in property, you were interested in property for a very long time, right? So what difference has having a property mentor made to your journey? Um, it structured the journey greatly. Um, mm. That was probably the missing piece in the mm. ambition. Um, because... If we didn't have a mentor, we would have done things horribly wrong. I can tell you for free, with the <laughs> right intention. <laughs> so having a mentor tidied up and structured what we wanted to do and, mm. and, and placed our focus in a precise way. So very, very important having a mentor. Um, that was mm -hmm. very and I do believe at every different stage in one's journey, you need a mentor to help guide you to the next level. Um, it yeah. might not have to be the same mentor throughout your life. Um, yeah. But the other issue is that most people think that the mentor they have from, say, church or <laughs> other settings can help them in their property journey or their other yeah. dimension. Um, which is incorrect because that person is not an expert on property or finance or tax yeah. or whatever else it is. So I'm not averse to segmenting mentors, if I can put it like that. Mm. A mentor that you have in, yes, <laughs> yes, because you can have a mentor for your relationship um, with your spouse. Yeah who could teach you guys how to build a better relationship. Mm -hmm. But that specific person might be completely averse to property. And mm -hmm. if you ask that person about property, they might not encourage you to get into property. Yeah. And that might kill a potential wealth creation tool that you might have tapped mm -hmm. into. The same way, equally, your property mentor might not be qualified to give you relationship advice. Because yes. maybe they've been through a divorce or something like that, but they're mm. brilliant at property. Um, so yep. I find that when we choose mentors, we need to choose them on qualification and merits and not yes. just on the fact that they're a great person, you know? <laughs> so yes, having a mentor for property was very, very important for us because it helps structure and continues to help us understand where we, how mm. we need, to, what we need to do to get where we want to go. Mm. Um, that's, that's the reason as well. Wow. Eddie, that is so profound. I have often shared like how I have multiple mentors for different things. I work coaches actually. I I prefer coaching because I'm mentors kind of show you their path more than anything, whereas coaches kind of get you to dig into finding what is your path and kind of like working with your mindset. But yeah, like I work with very many different coaches. And just like you said, like my relationship coach is not my money coach. My trauma coach is not my business coach, right? So it's different coaches and I found that to be extremely, extremely valuable. 
So I genuinely like that. But I wanted to go into, so I said that was my last question, but this brought me up another Can I please question. add on to what you just said before you come to your next question? Um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, the emerging black middle class, the emerging black property investors need to take that quite seriously because we often get advice from the wrong people, mm. all right? You might have an uncle who's successful in his business. Yes. He's not qualified to give you information on property. He's not a property investor. Just because yep. he's successful doesn't mean he now understands property. So yep. a lot of ambitions and dreams are misguided by, by that, you know, because exactly. our rich uncles, yes, and we say, uh, what do you think about multi-legs? And the guy's like, ah, no, no, don't do that. Um, you and yeah. I, we can prepare a few documents, submit them for tender and we'll be fine. And yeah. that's the end of your journey in property. <laughs> and <laughs> But also, can I, can I just say this, Eddie? Like, what I notice is that most people, and we had this conversation in a previous podcast, which is that most people go to advice, go for advice to people that they know that are within just their immediate sphere of influence, right? And the issue with that is that often the people that are in your immediate sphere, if you all grew up together, you went to school together, etc., you all have a similar kind of mindset, right? So what you need is like something completely different, just a completely different outlook and a completely different way of seeing something. And that's how we are stretched. But most of us get so uncomfortable with that, which is why people end up going to the rich uncle, because the only person that they know that has money and may know about property is the rich uncle, as opposed to, say, listening to Eddie on the podcast and then reaching out to Eddie, who's a complete stranger and saying, hey, dude, I've got this idea. What are your thoughts? You know, so that is also the biggest challenge. Yes, and I find that a lot more within our emerging Black communities, especially. Because um, I think we school, so school and the career path of a corporate workplace has conditioned you to not reach out beyond what you can see. Mm. When you were at school, you were taught to make friends with your classmates, grade 8A. All the kids in grade 8A are friends. It's natural to be friends only with grade 8s. It's a bit weird if you are now friends with kids in grade 9, 10, and matric. It doesn't yeah. seem to look natural. Um, and you're friends with the guys in your school as opposed to the guys at other schools, naturally. So we grow up not reaching out of our circles. Um, you get into a corporate workspace, maybe you're an accountant, and you're friends initially with the accountants in uh, your department, if that's the right word. Yeah. And you're not friends with the guys at HR, at uh, finance, or at other departments they are. So naturally, people's environment has never shaped them to look out, you know? So we shape so our cool. thoughts and fears. Yes. Um, 
on based on who we have access to, which mm. is not always the best thing, you know. Yeah. So one of the reasons what I myself and my spouse Emily we talk about is I always ask her, um, how do we push? We don't have kids yet, but my question is, how am I going to raise my kids so that they are comfortable at the age of eighteen? talking to a 50-year-old, talking to a 25-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 15-year-old, because I want them to push themselves out so that they can reach out to different types of people so that mm. they can use those networks faster. Mm. Um, so mm. if you are an accountant in a corporate company and you want to now get into property and the other accountants in that same department is you are not in property, you really need to stretch yourself to think who else is in property. So that's why building networks and finding mentors um, becomes important because your property yeah. mentor might not understand the accounting that you do, but they understand property. Exactly. The same way, yeah, the same way your rich uncle got rich through his methods, but he doesn't understand the journey you're about to embark on. Um, I love that. I, I just love, oh my gosh, I love that you're bringing this up. This is, I feel like this is one of the biggest, biggest things, you know? It's literally being able to go out and connect with people outside of you. And I think it becomes a big thing even in entrepreneurship, right? When you start a business, you have to be able to reach people who think differently like uh, differently to you in business. Cause, and I think this is why we feel so hurt when our friends and family don't support our businesses and we're like, <laughs> they don't support us. I'm like, cause they're not your target market. So it's the same with any business, including property. So I wanna, before I forgot my last question, oh, which yes, is, yes. you talked about structure and you said, the a property mentor, your property mentor helped you structure your business, right? So tell us about that. What do you mean by that? And what were your thoughts before you got a mentor? This is so important because maybe someone else is thinking the way you were thinking a few years ago. So just tell us how has your thinking shifted and what have you started? What structures have you put into place? So um, we didn't understand things like trusts and setting up companies for property, um, you know, being tax efficient and all of that. Um, so my thoughts, obviously, before that type of exposure would have just been, you probably own property on your name and you'll end up with 100 properties one day and you'll just pray when you pass away or on your death, who knows what will happen then. So mm -hmm. um, I think without thinking further about that, that's probably where the benefit of having a mentor came in because then you start to understand um, asset protection, um, being tax efficient and thinking more for the long term, having your mm -hmm. properties structured correctly. Obviously, there's different schools of thoughts. Some guys put properties in a company with shareholding in a trust, some guys put properties in a trust, and then you're the beneficiary. So that all depends on what's happening um, with each person and who's giving the right advice or which other advice. But 
it's quite an important thing because you never know what might happen along the way. And if you're not structured properly, you might risk losing assets maybe, which then equals losing income, which then equals losing something else, um, um, mm -hmm. a lifestyle or a bit of security. Um, so that's quite important. Mm, wow, that is that is really, really interesting. And thank you so much for sharing that. I am feeling pretty full right now, Eddie, and I feel like we can move on to the next segment of the show. You've given us so much to think about. So guys, stay tuned for the next segment of the show. On to the next segment of our show, magical feedback from our hosts where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. So welcome to Magical Feedback, you guys. Um, wow, where do I start? Okay, so let's start with my first takeaway, which is that one of my favorite things is that Eddie and his wife decided to sit down and talk about getting into real estate together, right? And then they realized that they had a strategy, that they they then formulated a strategy, right? And they decided what they wanted. I think this is one of the key things is that often we jump into real estate. And I think I did this, right? Like <laughs> I jumped into this journey and I didn't really review what it is that I wanted out of each and every property. But they, when they started, they reviewed what is it that we actually want? What is the minimum cash flow, net cash flow, not just cash flow, but net cash flow that we want from every um, from every investment that we make. So that I think was really, really profound. And I genuinely like that. So my takeaway is know exactly what you want and then stick to your guns. And you can see how they are sticking to the, how they stuck to their guns because they made 28 offers. They went to view 28 places during, uh, and during lockdown, right? They sent out 12 offers and then they ended up buying two properties, right? So you can make all those offers and you can view your 28 properties. You don't have to be scared of making an offer, which I think Miso talks about a lot. So she was here. I'm sure that would be her takeaway as well. And the second takeaway that I have is that um, they actually negotiated for a discount uh, with their lawyer, with the lawyers, right? So they had four lawyers and they asked for a discount. And you heard how Eddie said, he kept calling. You just keep asking, you keep messaging, you keep emailing, you keep just reminding them about, hey, what about this discount? What about this discount? So major, major takeaway, right, is that, you're allowed to ask. You're allowed to ask for a discount. Someone, If someone doesn't want to give you a discount, they'll tell you, I don't want to give you a discount. And that's okay too. But if you don't ask, you don't receive. So that is my major takeaway. If we don't ask, you definitely don't receive. Wow, today is intense, like the cave being right in gardens. I've had to pause this just for a second because there's so much traffic. 
and sirens and airplanes. So let's move on to the next, uh, to the last takeaway that I have. So my final takeaway is how um, they took a breather, right? How I think I, I will keep reiterating this because I am not pro-urgency culture, the constant need to be in motion, to be productive, it is not healthy, right? And it actually causes, it. it's actually a deeply traumatic response from us, right? This need to always be busy. But not only that, it re-traumatizes our entire nervous system. So what I love about this is that they took a breather and then they refocused and thought about something, uh, about their next strategy. And then they were like, oh, wait, what? Why aren't we doing, why aren't we looking for the next property? And then they went and they looked for the next property and they bought the property, they found a property in one and a half weeks, right? So, and I love what Eddie said. He said, it was like the property was waiting just for us. So again, for me, my takeaway from this is that it's okay to rest. It's okay to take time off. It's okay to go at a pace that works for you. So we will all have different paces. Some people will be the kind of investors that are constantly working on the next deal, doing the next deal. There's nothing wrong with that. But for most of us, we'll want to take time to integrate, to process, to be with this major purchase that we've just made. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's totally okay. So I really, really love that um, he brought that up and just what he said about the property, it was like the property was waiting for them. What is yours won't miss you. So you're allowed to take it slow. You're allowed to take pauses. You're allowed to continue going. You get to set the pace and you get to, design your own investor style that works according to your personality. So those are my three takeaways from this podcast. We'd really love to hear your takeaways. So share with us either in the Facebook group or in the Podbean comment section, right? Without further ado, let's move on to the last segment of the show. Now on to the journey to magical expansion where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. So guys, welcome to the Journey to Magical Expansion. In this podcast, uh, this is the segment of the show where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. So Eddie, please start us off by telling us what book inspired your real estate journey. And if you're not a reader, then tell us about a show, a TV show or YouTube channel or something. (laughs) So the books that inspired my real estate journey, probably an obvious one is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The next book is The Cashflow Quadrant, also by Robert Kiyosaki. I love it. Yes, and the other book is called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, I think. And another book is The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Um, oh, yeah, we love Grant Cardone on this show. <laughs> so yes. The 10X Rule, I actually have that one. I kind of, <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I messaged Misa halfway through re- reading it. I was like, okay. 
love a Grand Cologne, but I think this is really triggering me because it feels like it's from such an intense masculine standpoint that is talking okay. about. I need it to be more ease and flow and more rest. <laughs> yeah, Grant's very, he's an interested personality, you know, so um, I can relate with a guy like Grant. I like I like his style. <laughs> um, Grant Cardone is my guy. Um, I like his yeah, I know. I'm not like I know people love him, and I absolutely adore his podcast. That's why I thought I would love the book. And I was like, oh, I'm having a full on nervous reaction, nervous system reaction. I mess- I kept messaging Lisa. I was like, this is such a hard read, but so interesting. So I do, and I will say this: the 10x rule did actually change my mindset. So it was not all lost. Once I got over that, I was like, okay, let me find the things I like and leave the other things that feel like super intense. And it did <laughs> change my mindset. So love it. Um, so what keeps you inspired? Um, the dream of creating a different reality from what I come from. Um, mm-hmm. And even the small ones keep me inspired. Um, I am one of the people that like to celebrate the small wins as well. So yes, I celebrate every month of marriage. I celebrate every birthday. Um, I'm that guy. So um, the small We're in favor of celebrations here. At least yes. the wealthy, the wealthy money students that are listening know that this is a huge deal. So share some celebration ideas with us. We love it. Um, so if your OTP is successful, if it's accepted, celebrate. Go out for dinner. Um, cheers to another potential property. If the bank approves you, celebrate. Even if it's not a big outing, if your property is full. Celebrate, be happy, have dinner. Um, you know, if you a year in the industry, celebrate. Um, celebrate life. Uh, so I celebrate birthdays. I celebrate month anniversaries. So every month we go out for dinner. It's like our forty fifth month of being married. Yay! You know, <laughs> um, you know. So that is I'm, so cute. I actually like it. Yes, because I feel that if you get caught in the mundane routines of day-to-day, um, you lose that shine, you know, you lose that inspiration. Mm. And that, you know, so um, if you have something to look forward to, it changes things for you, you know, because mm. and that brings about that inspiration. You know, you get inspired again. Um, I like also being inspired by things like looking at travel videos and things and understanding the price tag of some things, you know. So um, how much is a house in an area where you'd love to live one day? Oh, wow, it's so expensive. But that can inspire you, you know, like, okay, now how can I make enough cash flow to buy or pay for that lifestyle, for example. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm not that far away. Um, I just need to do this 20 more times. <laughs> so let's get to it. 
<laughs> you know, so um, those are the type of things that inspire me. Um, mm -hmm. And asking myself questions. So yeah, I don't have particularly a dream wardrobe or a dream outfit. I'm not in love with fashion. Um, I'm in love with what could I possibly do with my time um, mm. in the future? But with that being said, what could I possibly do with my time now? So mm. if... <laughs> as, you, as you heard me, I'm all about time. Guys, when I started, I was like, oh, Eddie, I just woke up from a one-hour nap. My massage therapist exactly. was here. He worked on me for like 90 minutes. So yes. I get Like time exactly. is such a critical factor, you know? Yes. Yes, because you could have 10% of the cash flow of someone else. But if mm. you've got a bit more or a lot more control over your time, you'll probably most likely be more fulfilled than the mm. other. Yes. So I get inspired by how many days in a row can I wear shorts and slops, you know? Because if I'm wearing shorts and slops, it means I'm probably in control of my day. You know, because um, that means I don't have to dress up to go to anybody important or I need to look a certain way just mm. for that, um, you know. So, and we don't count Sundays, obviously, because a Sunday you'll naturally be in shorts and slops. So, yeah. um, those are the things that inspire me. And how many countries could I possibly visit? Um, I want to see a hundred countries. And then reset the goal oh. all the other countries. And wouldn't that be a great icebreaker? Maybe you're having a party and then I'm just like, oh, by the way, I've just seen a hundred countries and um, my view on this and this and this is that, and then we'll be like, what an arrogant prick. <laughs> but not arrogant, you're just sharing experience and peeking someone else's brain to also uh, <laughs> you know? Um, so stuff like that. Um, that's what inspires me. So the, the, the potential to realize some goals or dreams is what inspires me. Um, mm. I'm not inspired by material things. So I'm not going to say to you the day I live in this specific house and drive this specific car, uh, that's been a burning dream for me. Not particularly so. True. I get you. I think a lot of people that come on this podcast are on the same vein, right? It's all about accumulating experiences versus just like having the latest designer, all this, etc. But I think you can do both. I say to people, hey, like you can definitely do both. There's, yeah. I think it's all about what you like. So, which I know you didn't say you can't, right? But I'm just saying that to people, guys, just because I said everyone here is like all about experiences, mostly about experiences and inspired by family and things like that. You, It's okay to also be inspired by a Louis Vuitton bag, okay? If that's your yeah, thing. Yeah. So what do you wish you had known or done before embarking on your property investment journey, Eddie? Um, probably, what do I wish I had known or done? Um, getting married earlier and starting earlier, I guess. I don't know if that would have been possible. Um, I think the timing was fine for us. I, 
sometimes I think, oh, we probably started a bit late. But then I look at all the other different experiences that led up to us starting. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably the timing was perfect because yes. Yes. we needed certain life experiences first to take place before mm-hmm. starting on our journey. So yeah. I don't wish I had known something different before starting on our property journey. I do feel if there are or were any setbacks post the journey, they had to happen for a reason uh, to strengthen us so that we can avoid or face the bigger challenge. Mm, mm, mm. Love that. Genuinely, genuinely feeling that. So what else do you think you still need to learn in property? A lot. <laughs> um, you can't, the learning never stops. Um, I don't believe anyone so uh, knows too much. I do believe because property is a wealth creation uh, tool or business, um, if you want to use that word, you can't stop learning because mm. building wealth is a process that takes time. Mm. So if something takes time, it means you also going to grow over time. And mm. part of that growth or growth equals learning. So um, we've probably only just hit the tip of the iceberg where we are um, in terms of knowledge. The knowledge we have now and the knowledge we'll have in 35 years won't be the same. All right? Sure. All the experience. So we're going to learn. We're prepared to learn as we go. We're prepared to explore multiple other strategies. Who knows what's going to come down the line? We might end up doing development. We might end up doing flippings. Who knows? All right? Um, and as the circumstances change, you also have to readapt. So I said to my wife the other day, if you work out, say, you want to stop doing actively looking or investing in property, say, at the age of 70, that means you've got another 40-odd years yeah. to a certain process. So you're in this for another 40 years. So what could you do in 40 years if you were actively doing something, you know? And... I love that question. Like over your lifetime in 14 years, in 40 years, even if all you did was buy one property every year for 40 years, it's still life changing. Exactly. It is. Definitely is. And people, your mentor said to you, you know, you overestimate the short term and underestimate the long term. Um, That's where that comes in because. We all want the microwave result now, like, poof, I've just got into property, ah, I've just quit my job, or I've just done this, and I'm traveling, and I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. But that's not realistic. Um, 40 years, um, what are you going to possibly put together over 40 years? Yes. And when people look at it like that, you also calm down, because if you're facing a problem today, Yep. Will this specific problem still bug you for the next 40 years? What kind mm-hmm. of problem is that? You know, that's going to follow you through. <laughs> right, like that's not a problem. Yeah. You, you don't have a problem. You've got like something deeper than a problem there. Exactly. But what you're talking about reminds me, I remember when I was teaching in South Korea, 
One of my students, I used to teach high school. I taught high school for like eight months. So um, I needed a breather. (laughs) So I went and I taught there. And one of the most profound things that stayed with me and completely changed my outlook was from a little 16-year-old when I asked. So I would ask students random questions, right? So one day in class, I asked, what do you think is the most important thing in life to have in life? And my student answered time. And I said, okay, this is a new one. This is interesting. Why? And he said, as long as I have time, I can do anything and I can overcome anything and find any solution. So if you give me time, it gives no matter what problem I'm facing, I can overcome it. And I think about that a lot. It completely changed my life. You know, this mm. one statement changed my life because exactly what you said. So, and what my coach then later told me about how we under how we overestimate what we can do in the short term is that often we don't think when we want something, we live in a culture of immediate gratification, right? So the most, the thing that happens when We think of doing something like investing, moving into property, building businesses. And I've seen, I've had to work on this for myself as an entrepreneur, doing like going into business, all sorts of things is you want everything to happen immediately, right? Mm. And so when it doesn't happen, you view it as failure. So when you, when it doesn't happen this exact month, or it's not happening over three years because somebody else's process took two months, then we're like, oh, my process sucks. I hate it. But we don't see that that time was your learning period, that if you continue on this path and you give yourself the time, the space, all you need is to keep creating situations where you have enough time to breathe. So I stopped looking in terms of business. I stopped looking at how quickly can I get results, but How can I structure everything that I do in such a way that I have enough time and space to breathe and take it easy and have fun, which is why I'm so obsessed with ease and teaching people ease, because that's when you're like giving yourself that space to think, to breathe. And once you allow yourself to see that the one thing that you have in abundance right now in the present moment, in terms of other resources is time you can start to think differently and see things differently. And that changes the game profoundly. So I love that we're having this conversation. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. (laughs) So you are 100% right. So another thing, uh, when I was working on the power station um, in Whitbank, I used Mm. to wake up at 4.30, rush to work, and get back at about 6.30 in the evening and I was already tired and exhausted. So mm. I only had realistically time to think or socialize over the weekend and we worked mm. Saturdays. So there was always this issue that I never had time to myself um, yeah. to just think for myself as to what do I actually want? Even though I was a young guy at the time and, you know, it's your first job and you're running in between cities every day and you're going to site and you, but you're absolutely correct. So for me, if I can set up a situation where, like you said, you can say to yourself, okay, 
Um, I can take a lighter Friday, for example. I don't have to be full steam ahead on a Friday, let's say. Yes. That gives you more time to think and calculate mm -hmm. um, your next move, what you want your life to be like. Yeah. Um, you can take time out and just ask yourself questions, you know. So my wife always gets annoyed with me because sometimes I'll be up in bed in the morning waiting for her to wake up. And I'm like, babe, have you ever thought about what type of nanny we'd hire? She's like, we don't even have kids yet. And I'm like, yeah, but think about it. Do you want a nanny like this or like this? <laughs> or this age or that age? And she's like, what? <laughs> How do you even have time to think about things that I'm, you know, and I'm like, but that's the idea, you know, because yeah. you have to consider certain things if you've given yourself the chance to, you know? Um, yeah. It's you when know. you move out of urgency culture, and I think we live under this constructed pressure and urgency that everything has to happen right now. And so because we live under urgency culture, most people don't have time to ponder, to think. And this is where, like, let me not get started on this because this then takes me down the <laughs> the rabbit hole of my favorite complaint about like work days, how they are structured and everything. Because this is actually, we talk about, sometimes it goes beyond just money management, right? Like we talk about how people don't know how to manage time, how to manage money. But also it's because there is so much coming at people that they yes. don't have enough time to sit and analyze and be with themselves and relook at the world and this is a system that was constructed to do exactly that so that it keeps us in this red race so what you're talking about i feel is one of the most profound things for anyone that is going on an investment journey going on an entrepreneurial journey so yes. which leads me <laughs> sorry so that leads me to my second to last question eddie which is what property resource do you want to share today? You can share a book, a podcast, or YouTube videos. Book, podcast, or YouTube videos. Uh, book, okay, I think uh, book, maybe Rich Dad, Poor Dad, very important. Actually, no, there's another one of Rich Dad, uh, fake. Uh, fake money, fake assets, fake teachers. I think that one is more relevant now. Uh, Robert mm -hmm. Kiyosaki's book called Fake. Uh, podcast, uh, anything by Grant Cardone, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, resources, uh, and then you said video. Um, who video is tricky because that's so wide. I'm not too sure on the video. Um, I'll have to skip on the video. I'm so sorry. And no, I mean, usually people just share one resource, so you've shared like tons, you don't. Honestly, can we say a movie instead of a video? Movies count as videos, right? Pardon? A movie instead of yeah, a video. Yeah, um, Okay, so let's see which movie works well. American <laughs> Gangster. <laughs> now, let me tell you why. The one with Denzel Washington. So, yep. scene where Denzel's coaching his brothers, or Frank Lucas is talking to his brothers and saying, if you, the loudest guy in the room always gets arrested, so don't be flashy. Uh, mm -hmm. 
know, cops like flashy drug dealers along mm. those lines, all right? So any entrepreneur or investor could apply those principles because, you know, you might make money early, you might make money late. Who knows? Yeah. But um, you don't need to be flashy because that yeah. brings unwanted attention. So then later in the movie, um, his wife buys him this uh, chinchilla jacket, yeah. which he wears to the boxing match, and all of a sudden he's the loudest guy in the room. And that's yeah. when he got the attention of the feds, and they started to figure out who he was. Mm. So up until that point, he was a successful entrepreneur building a big business uh, without unwanted attention. Yes. Um, and he then did a simple act of wearing this jacket at this big event, this boxing match, and then got the attention he's been speaking about his entire career, uh -huh. which then started to lead to his demise. So in business, sometimes you might need to build your property portfolio or your business without attracting unwanted attention. Um, yeah. You're focused on what you're doing. Uh, you, know, yeah. you don't have to post on social media, yeah, I'm on property number five and these are the keys. I don't know, this is my view, right? Um, this is my monthly cash flow and this or whatever. And here's a picture of my birthday. I do favor the people that do that, right? Because, well, that's how we get our podcast guests for one. <laughs> <laughs> So if people don't do that, guys, please continue because this is how you come on our radar. I get where Eddie's going to, but like it's going against. <laughs> wow, we need, because otherwise, how would we get all these podcast guests? You're like our 110th guest, Eddie. We wouldn't oh, be able point. to meet these people. <laughs> fair point, <laughs> also fair point. Okay, so maybe. That there are times when before you flesh like that, you want to have a stable foundation, right? So even before you go have your partnerships and your collaborations, you want to be stable in your processes, in your systems, with your team, and then bring more people on. So I'm understanding where you're coming from with that. Yeah, definitely. And also what works for Vangile might not work for Eddie. Not the strategy. Oh. But the whole picture, you know, so yeah. I say to you, I want deals where I make 9,000 rand minimum on a multi-let. It might not work for someone else. It might be 10,000 or 20, I don't know, or 4,000. So yeah. what worked for Frank Lucas worked for him until he changed the mm. This is what happens when you go against your gut. I always tell people. Yeah going against your gut no it's about to go it's about to go crazy i i feel like my 2021 was this lesson learned over and over and over again just, how can i keep learning the same lesson but at the root core that was it and i'm not someone that works against my gut so that was also very very interesting to observe just the repercussions of that and what I've noticed, though, is, you know, when you learn very, very painful lessons and they involve money, 
you cost correct really quickly next time. So like I've just been in cost correct mode and I'm just like, yeah. So I get it. I so get it. So Eddie, final question is how do people get hold of you? And what was your intention with coming on the podcast? You can say you just wanted to teach people. You want to partner with people. You're looking for funding, anything. So how do people get hold of you? And what was your intention of saying yes when I sent you a random WhatsApp asking you to come on here? (laughs) Uh, My intention was to just share a bit of our experience. Um, I do believe learning from people's experiences helps a lot. Um, So sharing experience was the intention. And obviously, you build a bit of social currency with that as well. So uh, someone one day might be like, oh, I heard you on this podcast. I liked your story and this and that. So how's that going? I'm like, oh, I'm on property number 73. And oh, wow, amazing, whatever. And you know, so, <laughs> um, you, you can build a bit of social currency as well. But most importantly, just to share um, and contribute towards a sector that's that's going to help people set themselves up to get out of financial traps and things like that. Mm. I can be reached on email, which is eddyedy.mukobodi at gmail.com. Um, are you going to type that in? I'm not too sure. Yes, and please. Peter again, Eddie, uh, E-D-D-Y. Dot M-O. No, Eddie, yeah, so E-D-D-Y dot M-O, K-O, B-O-D-I, at gmail.com. Mm, nice. And then uh, for anyone who's looking for solar, I guess they can reach me through that. Either that or on our company WhatsApp number, which is uh, 076. Okay. 539. 539. 9432. 9432. Okay. So thank you so much, Eddie. It was really, really lovely to have you on this show. And Property Magicians, thank you so much for tuning in. As usual, I hope that this ad- this episode inspired you. And before we go, just a reminder that we are sponsored by the Wealthy Ones Property Stock File. Um, we have just invested in deal number two. We've been sharing how we've raised all this money. So we've, ra- we've uh, invested in deal number two. We paid 568,150 rand uh, last week to deal number two. We are now on to deal number three. Right now we're sitting at 920,000 rand. So we are continuing raising money for deal number three. If you're interested, deal number three has a 17% return on investment per uh, in one year. So you'll get your money back after 12 months, 17%. And we are investing, we've partnered with Saki Sizwe on a development in Sekunda in Bumalanga. As usual, everyone is welcome to be part of this deal. We're going to be, we're going to be fundraising for it. The developer wants uh, 3 million rands. So we're going to see 
if we were going to be paying money, we're going to be paying the monies that we have, we'll stop collecting until we'll be collecting up until the 17th of February. So Thursday, the 17th of February. So if you're listening to this podcast, you have two days to be part of that. After that, we're going to withdraw the money and we'll be signing it, we'll be handing it over to the developer around about the 21st of February. So this is very, very exciting times. How do you join? You join us by going to the Stockfeller app. If you're based in Namibia, South Africa, Lesotho, and um, Swaziland, you can download the Stockfeller app, sign up, and then you can deposit money into Stockfeller. Look for Wealthy Ones Property Stockfile. The other thing that you can do if you're not based in any of those countries, which we have a bunch of investors that are not, a bunch of members that are not in, that are not based in any of these countries, we have a bank account. So you can find all the details as to how to join internationally at, if you're an international investor at wealthy-money.com forward slash Stockfile. Again, Stockfile is spelled S-T-O-K-V-E-L. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash Stockfile. We can't wait to have you as part of this deal, as part of the Stockfile. And listen, if you miss this deal, there's always another deal around the corner. So just join uh, make whatever payments you want to make. We're constantly looking for incredible deals and making these investments. So until next week, have a fantastic week further. Cheers. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangile Makwakwa and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as Vangile Makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc, Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at miranda at wealthymoney.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.